Hey, John, how do you like your cheeseburgers? I like mine with lettuce and tomatoes, Heinz 57 and French fried potatoes. <laughs> Whoa! Welcome, 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 welcome to I'll Tell You What, the exciting game show where we ask you questions about sports and you tell us about your cheeseburger preferences. Woohoo! <laughs> Does mine come with fries? Uh, <laughs> only if you can get Heinz 57 and French fried potatoes, okay. or as I like to say, tomatoes. Tomatoes. <laughs> Uh, I could go for an apple pie today. Ooh, yeah. you know, Mickey D's has them. Two for I, a dollar. I know. That make you holla. Yes, they do. But don't ask for some ice cream. No, no, I won't. Even though that's like the one thing I always do. I'm like, hey, is your ice cream machine working? No. <laughs> <laughs> like, Why don't you get bent? You're right. You're right. But I came here for the ice cream. Well, you could come here for something else. Maybe a cheeseburger or whatever. Can I ask you some of the M&Ms that go in there? How about no? No. God. That's Dude, like, I'm going to do that, actually. I'm going to ask for a double cheeseburger and 86 slivered onions add M&M minis. <laughs> from the uh, I got to talk to my manager. <laughs> They'll be like, call the police. This guy's high. <laughs> That's it. It'll be good. I actually, please take me in the car when you do that. I would just like to be like side eye over here, like, hmm. (laughs) Right. Everybody in the store like comes up, who? What did he say? (laughs) Jeez. Well, guys, we've got a interesting show coming up Uh, today. We have the conclusion. Ooh, the last dance. Yeah. Yes, documentary series. Yeah. Uh, Not the lame '90s dance off. (laughs) <laughs> you suckers just got served. That's a completely different movie right there. But that step up to the streets. <laughs> that's a completely different movie there too. Jeez. Man, the digestion is happening today. Today, right? <laughs> We're just like... <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, so coronavirus mm-hmm. uh, is kind of wearing itself off. So we're going to talk about how that's impacted sports. Uh, but before we get into that, Kyle, tell us a little briefly okay. about your week. Hmm. Ah, my week. Okay. Mm. Well, let's let's think about it logically. Mm-hmm. I went to work. Yep. Worked. Up. Then I came home. One plus one equals two. Had dinner. Went to sleep. Uh oh. Most nights. Most nights. Hey, I don't know if I got a chance to tell you. I got uh Kristen and I got a new grill for Christmas Whoa, from the in-laws. The grill. Yeah. So we put that together a couple weekends ago. So you're feeling like a king. Because that's Ooh. just so you Dude. all know, and like nobody realizes this, but when you cook on a grill, that's like the closest thing to feeling like royalty. You're like, mm-hmm. I am man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you you graduated. Literally, like, you're like, woohoo! Yeah. Uh, so, but the grill is, um, infrared. I don't mm-hmm. know if you've seen those, but they are, they cook like very, very evenly, very fast. Like, Whoa. cause the heat is just in there. Precise. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Mm-hmm. So, uh, made a couple rounds of burgers and brats. Um, uh, so that's anything? pretty good. Hmm? Did you burn anything? Uh, the first round of burgers, <laughs> cause I was not used to like the speed of the cooking on yeah. those. And it was also like Kroger preformed patties that we had frozen and unfrozen so it was like you never know what you're gonna get yeah <laughs> Got i was you. like three minutes each side and burnt to a crisp <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm gonna say it's probably like i like out there, the grill's like 700 degrees i'm like ah! <laughs> 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 
And uh, I've just done the brats before. So no! The grease is like... <laughs> spitting at you, dude. Oh, yeah, dude. so that was, a, that was a good time. <laughs> um, yeah, and we, uh, Chris and I looked at a house oh, on Saturday. Okay. A new house in the uh, Woodstock area, which is, uh, for those of us outside of uh, Georgia or even the United States, mm-hmm. it's uh, just northwest of Atlanta. Guys, we just recently found out that we have viewers, or rather listeners, outside of the country, and we are just dumbfounded at We've this point. We've got some over the rainbow yes, in Ireland. In Ireland, uh, Japan, <laughs> uh, Denmark, Africa. Mm-hmm. Uh, Senegal. Senegal. Uh, places like that, guys. So it's just... Nexus do, you know, backflips and backflips and backflips over here because we yeah. just feel so good. And all we want to so. do is give you guys some shout out, shout out, shout out, shout outs. So you just got shouted out. <laughs> um, How was your week, John, though, uh, to get back into it? Yeah, I've had a very interesting week, uh, you know, just working at the store. Mm-hmm. I have a new location I will be Ooh, at. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then just getting back into the flow of things. That That's about it. So I had dining guests for the first time last week, guys. So it was a different state of pace for me, rather. It's not even change. It's just state. So I'm used to being up every day and like going in there. But you don't have to be with the public, per se. So you're not mentally engaged that way. So having people come in like mentally, I've had to shift like, Hey, we're back here. Like this person right there, you know, like they're mm-hmm. in the building. Bah, 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 burn. <laughs> so yeah, it's been like a ride and like a mental shift for me to just like engage people and they really appreciate it. And you know, the staff does too. I feel like everybody's trying to find some normacy. That's not even a real world word, but I'm making it one. <laughs> so, um, okay. So yeah, I think probably people generally get their uh, energy cues from you as well. So if you come yes. in kind of flat, your whole staff's like you're for the waitresses, the waiters, to the cooks, to anybody else in there, they're just gonna be like, oh man, well this day is going to suck. Ba-da-ba. Unless you're like, coffee, literally, and they're like, hey, how many cups of coffee have you had today? I'm like, actually, not I enough. <laughs> I haven't actually had one yet. They're like, what? <laughs> Literally, too. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, well, good, dude. That's that's awesome that you are uh, inspiring. And uh, you know, like you said, you got a new location. Shout T- out to uh, TI over here has got me uh, feeling really good. And what I mean by that is a big face popping, a little thing stop. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, dude. Pretty much. Uh, all right. Well, we got a really good show for you guys today. today uh, yeah. We can't wait to get into some last dance talk, like John said, and a little bit of. Uh, Live sports updates, because guess what? Some of them are back. And we'll tell you about it on the other end of this break on I'll I'll Tell tell You What. Hello and welcome to a TED Talk featuring John Notice, a.k.a. Jolly John, and Kyle Pritchett, a.k.a. Coconut Mike. And Today's Dan topic. Watanabe. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, welcome, 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 welcome back, back to I'll, I'll Tell You What. 
we've got some updates on some sports guys. We just want to lay it out for you in case you don't know, which is very possible right now because they've kind of been very quick and fluid with their updates. Um, with the summer heat unveiling itself around the world right now in the Northern Hemisphere, mm-hmm. a lot of countries, leagues are taking steps forward as far as reintroducing themselves amongst the COVID-19 virus that is going around. So what I mean by that is they have decided to actively restart their leagues with projection dates starting as soon as July um, or maybe even sooner. It's kind of crazy to me too to talk about how they're doing it. So we talked a few episodes ago about how the MLB is doing it by creating a bubble. Um, I believe they still want to do that. And even the NBA wants to do that as well. So projected venues for that include the Orlando and Las Vegas arenas, since no one is currently in there. Mm -hmm. They're vacant. Yeah. So it's kind of cool Sorry, guys. I kind of like blank space there. I was like, whoa, <laughs> <laughs> shooting blanks. <laughs> so um, getting back to it, it was kind of crazy to hear them say that. And they just put all the teams there and they're just going to literally work it out. Like you will can go straight from the hotel practice facility to the actual gaming place where they're going to have the arena and just repeat. But I have heard some players don't want to do that. Um, such as Jabron Lames, mm-hmm. um, but because he's worried that, like, in Las Vegas and in Orlando, it's like very known to the public that hair loss becomes more uh, obvious in those areas. So his headband, if should he decide to wear one, would have to end up being more like a yamaka. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to LeBron's receding hairline, y'all. Boom! <laughs> we went there, zinger, zinger. But he's pretty good. So. Yeah, Kyle, what do you got on updates? Well, um, I was going to just give everybody a quick update and kind of discuss with you your thoughts on uh, some of the things and the happenings uh, in college football right now. Um, so the latest and greatest is that the commissioners of the individual conferences, SEC, Pac-12, Big 12, uh, ACC – they are all saying that they would like to play amongst themselves should the NCAA make an overall arch ruling that uh, no schools are able to do sports because the campuses are closed. Because as of right now, the NCAA uh, president, Mark Effort, um, he has said that he will – they will not uh, – the NCAA will not – support any sports being played if campuses are closed to students now interesting the problem with this is obviously this is a big country yeah so many campuses will obviously be open like in a lot of places right now there actually has been no real new i mean there's still new cases but the deaths have basically flatlined like you're you might see one every other day mm-hmm. which and i hate to say it because it sounds insensitive but that's kind of common <laughs> i mean people there are a lot of people in the people, world yeah probably one or two of them is gonna die every day and there's some born 
every day. That's true. <laughs> so, but but basically, my point is that a lot of these campuses will be open. Mm-hmm. But I guess the NCAA right now is taking a hard line. Like any of them are closed. They can't like support a full season. Um, so, like the SEC is saying, well, that's cool. Like we understand, but if we can find you know alternative opponents for our out of conference players that maybe their campuses aren't open, they will do that. Example, Alabama is scheduled to play USC, Southern California, the Trojans, uh, for the first game in football uh, at Dallas Cowboys Stadium in uh, late August, last weekend in August. But USC is in like the hot zone of LA. Yes, it is. So they're very worried that LA will be like overly cautious and just be like, we're not doing anything ever, Mm -hmm. California. That's fair. (laughs) So they're thinking that uh, they want to potentially find another opponent should that happen. And the most logical one seems like it would be TCU, who is actually based out of Dallas. And TCU is actually scheduled to play Cal that same weekend. California, oh, okay. University of. So, you just so if California is also not going to be playing because they're in that same zone, then we would just play TCU and be like, sorry. I, w- I would love to play USC, though. I think that is the game that everybody wants to see. Do you think that they could statistically get that all mm-hmm. figured out? Like, yeah. Logistically, rather, not statistically. Yeah. So <laughs> they because they're exploring these contingencies early on, like I will say football seems to have their crap together for the most part. Cause they're like, yeah, we want to play football. So <laughs> I don't know what America's going to do if they don't have football. Yeah. I well, and their know. season isn't like scheduled to start for months. So like all these other ones is like basketballs in the middle of the season, baseball, like middle of the season, middle of the, the middle of the season. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so they're exploring different options such as that. And then, you know, they're also saying if, maybe if they can't go out of conference or whatever, they will at least play the conference opponents within their own conference that their campuses are open. Okay. So even if like Kentucky, let's say they were closed for whatever reason, or like a couple of the schools in the SEC, they would still they just play the other games. Yeah. yeah. Cause they're just like, you know what? We're going to play like whatever. Hopefully they'll have it under control by national championship. So yeah. Yeah. I would think so. Um, but in other college football notes, um, I was looking at some updated, uh, interesting recruiting rankings. Yeah. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, Tennessee, believe it or not, Uh-oh. has shot through the roof, baby, through the roof. No. Yeah, dude. They're, cur- on me. they're currently sitting at number two in next year's recruiting rankings for 2021. Okay. Um, only Ohio State has higher, uh, is, is the number one in the recruiting rankings. But I will say Tennessee has more commits right now. So I really don't know how they're like gauging that rankings. Maybe Ohio State has more five stars, but it's just kind of interesting. I didn't know they were raising binders. Uh, yeah, dude. They were like, <laughs> binder, three ring? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Notebook? Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, Jeremy Pruitt, former Alabama uh, defensive coordinator, is the Tennessee head coach. So shout out to him. Shout out, shout out, shout out, shout out, shout out, shout out. There's been rumors that uh, if, when Nick retires somewhere down the road, if we can't get Dabo, we might go after mm-hmm. Jeremy Pruitt. So, could be kind of cool. Could be, could be. I, um, I can dig it. What do you think if I had, if I just told you Oregon is on the these preseason rankings? Where do you think they would fall? Actually, they're not doing too bad. I think they had a very good recruit. I think I saw last week. Okay. Something. Uh, okay. I think it was about a, a quarterback to replace 
Herbert. Quarterback? I think it was right. Uh, survey says T. Thompson, quarterback prospect. Boom! Let's go. See? He's a pure passer. Yeah. Pure passer. Number 14 in the nation. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty good. They, but the overall rankings for your 2021 class sits at number 17. Which That's isn't okay. bad. Which isn't bad. This is for way early. Way, yeah. way too early. For reference, Alabama's not even on no, the top. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like because way too early. The good schools and like Georgia's like below you guys. Uh, they wait. But yeah, because the good recruits generally wait to like last minute to I the know. last minute. And as a good school, you're only allowed to get so many recruits in a recruiting class. So you don't want to like put all your eggs in one basket early on. No, and then it's like because. Technically, this coming football season for high schoolers hasn't even happened yet. No, I know. That's why I'm like. Mm. <laughs> so all these rankings are based on like juniors, yeah. if not earlier than that, like sophomores. <laughs> you're like, yeah, let's see what they do this year. <laughs> Before they we probably just... don't even have the uh... chops for it. Yeah, they probably are like, you know, still growing. <laughs> you got some growing up to do. Yeah. <laughs> but I just figured, you know, I'd get. We'd, we'd no, that was actually some that. really, really good information right there. I didn't even know about half of that stuff. And <laughs> I really like to hear about the college uh, football scene. So, mm-hmm. you know, just the fact it's that. Encouraging. Yeah, that was very encouraging to hear that. That was probably more so than basketball. I can say <laughs> that. Like, And I'm like it's rooting to for. follow, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely rooting for NBA right now. And that was probably way five steps ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Literally, like you said, they just haven't started yet, so they have that they opportunity. Have the contingencies in place, whereas like NBA, everybody has to, to agree, agree. Unfortunately, yeah. it's like say I, I, <laughs> MJ's like I'm coming back. Everybody's like start the season, <laughs> <laughs> right? Jeez. Speaking of MJ, we've got the last dance coming up on our next segment. On, I'll tell you what. I am not wasting any more good takes for your. Oh, we're back live. Uh, 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 welcome, 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 welcome back to. I'll tell you what. And we are back to talk about MJ <laughs> in the last dance. That's right. Yeah, this is my radio voice. All right, Casey Kasem. Uh, yeah, J. J. Notice, Jolly John <laughs> in the building. Ladies and gentlemen, JC Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Jason Statham. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. action packed. <laughs> Guys, full disclosure, we've probably had, what do you think, three takes? Literally. And we keep, oh, we're having uh, some technical, technical difficulties. Difficult. So uh, we're trying to make this thing go for the gold. Yes. Uh, we're trying to get to the other side of the rainbow. So it's kind of crazy. We've had, uh, we're going to have four episodes that we're going to kind of condense in here. So I'm going to kind of give you guys like a little bit of a heads up and on the speed run of four episodes that we're about to just condense here on The Last Dance. Guys. We're about to dive in. Ooh, splash. <laughs> so MJ's coming off uh, his highest season, um, the peak, rather, for himself on the mountain. For phase one. For phase career. one of his career. And it was crazy because he just went to the Olympics. They had the dream team. He's feeling high and mighty. And then he said that he was unmotivated and he wanted to take some time away from the game. Um, so, of basketball. Of basketball. 
coincidentally, at the exact same time of this, his father uh, was murdered by two individuals in his hometown. Um, totally unrelated. Unrelated, yeah. To not- anything to do with Michael. It was just a classic mugging, mm-hmm. if you could call it anything such a thing. Yeah, and so he was just... Really distraught. He just wanted to step away. And so he actually told Jerry Reinsdorf and Jerry told the other Jerry, Mr. Krause. <laughs> and they, this was all at a baseball game, coincidentally. And, you know, it was made the next day. He just made a public statement saying, I'm, I'm leaving, guys. And David Stern was there. And a lot of people were very skeptical of this point that David Stern had suspended Michael. But I don't really think mm-hmm. that was the case because. Literally, that's the most winning franchise that's really hot right now of the NBA. Mm. You, you just couldn't do that. Like, I don't see disciplinary action being needed. No, I, I totally agree. That didn't really make any sense to me. But the reasons that they were giving for why they thought David Stern might have suspended him was because David Stern, as you know, always took a very hard line with the players. Like, he wanted it to be very uniform and, uh, you know, civilized, and he didn't want the players coming across as thugs because when he took over the league, it was fights every night on it the was. court, and people just didn't really feel like it was even a sport worth watching because, in a lot of ways, they weren't playing the game at all. They were just, it was whoever was bigger and badder, mm-hmm. aka the bad boys. Yeah. Uh, and some of those early Celtics teams were. I hate to say it, dude, because, I mean, it's going to come off bad because we're Lakers fans, but they were, like, kind of cheaters. The Celtics were. I didn't want to say anything, but, <laughs> you know, you guys can't see my face, but I'm side-eyeing, like, looking both ways, like, oh, 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 did he burn me? <laughs> Whoa. But, uh, anyway, yeah, back to David Stern. Yeah, I don't believe that he would have suspended Mike, but but they they say it was because of all the stuff that was coming out about Michael and having pro- yeah having problems with gambling addiction and all this stuff and we spoke about it I feel like briefly we did. We did. Um, but there's just really nothing to that um, you don't you don't make the kind of money he makes and like it, you don't judge somebody's hobbies unless they're destroying someone else's like life yeah. or 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 livelihood all he was doing was gambling his own money and it was never in the amounts that it would make him lose lose like he was good for it mm-hmm. so yeah. to him and why isn't he allowed to do that to him and this is the point that we're trying to make to you guys is that like he would make bets with people for like ten thousand dollars and that's a lot of money to you and me and anybody but I mean, he's got it, so it's his business. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not like he didn't. Yeah. Um, so it, it was definitely interesting to hear that. Um, and so while he was there, the Bulls continued to push. They actually were a playoff team. They were not a finals After team. he retired. Yeah, he, after yeah. he retired. And it was very interesting. So meanwhile, flashing back to MJ, he was actually having some good – Good seasons at bat. Like his first month that he played, he actually had like a hit every single night. Well, I don't uh, think we really even said it. So when after he retired from basketball, he wanted to get into baseball because his father had always encouraged him to play baseball. Mm-hmm. And it was a way for him to kind of 
relive those days because he had just lost his father Mm -hmm. and it was just something that he could dive into that wasn't basketball because he had never played a basketball game without his dad yeah and Mm -hmm. all that stuff so he he decided to play baseball he ended up signing with the chicago white White Sox, Sox. and so they sent him down to uh their birmingham barons yeah and just double a A ball yeah yeah and that was because they had uh, the press to keep up with it. Most of the time, you would go below that. But again, he's such a high-profile person. Yeah, they had so many media members showing up that the single-A baseball affiliate, like the facilities just wouldn't be able to handle that amount of people. Yeah. It's like it's like a bedroom as opposed to a, <laughs> a normal like, conference room or something. Yeah, Got you. Um, so he was doing all right. He was... Having fun. His first season was kind of uh, bad, uh, <laughs> but it was a learning lesson for him, just like anybody. And what really impressed me during the documentary was just to hear the fact that he took it with stride. He literally overcame it. The next season, he would do like longer practices and he would just sit there and sit there and like hit, 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 hit so he could get better at it. Mm-hmm. And, um, Finally, uh, the next season rolls around and Michael's off to like a rolling start. He actually, rolling start. <laughs> Shout out to Daytona. <laughs> um, but he was actually killing it. And then the baseball strike happened. And because of the baseball strike, he was out of kind of, he wasn't out of a job. He was just looking for something to do. Okay, so and they wanted him to be a part of the replacement players. Yes, and he said no. He didn't cross the picket yeah. line. And so, what he did was uh, he happened to be in Chicago, and he called up Phil, and he's like, "Let me just slide into practice with y'all and work out with y'all." For the Bulls, and everybody was like, "All right, cool." And then that was like <laughs> one day. Then he came back the next day, and then the next day, and then a week later, he was like. Uh, I'm back (laughs) (laughs) to to basketball. And it was kind of crazy guys. So um, he started leading the team and they weren't in bad shape. They were actually in very good shape. Um, But he, the team was in good shape. Michael was not in basketball shape. Let me clear that part up. So the reason I am in, emphasizing that part is because later in the documentary you discover in the playoff run he was getting gassed very winded he was not performing up to the usual michael that we were accustomed to seeing because he was not in basketball shape which is completely different of that of baseball shape Uh, you're using different muscles and uh, we hear about this from a lot of the trainers and the coaches as well uh, who had to help him get back in shape for that. So they play against the, I believe it's the Magic, Orlando Magic. Yeah. And then they lose. And everybody was like, oh, MJ lost a step that year. And MJ was like, ah, you know, he just doesn't like to hit, to lose. So it was kind of crazy. Uh, that that happened to him, but all the players said that was the best thing that could have happened because it just reignited the engine in yeah. that franchise. Right. Well, and uh, I think it was important to remember when he returned from baseball, it was literally at the very 
end of the like current NBA season. Mm-hmm. So the they their like playoff seating was already set when Mike rejoined the team. So they were like they weren't actually they were like a mediocre team that year. The first year after Mike had left, they did like pretty well and like got deep into the playoffs, but they still lost mm-hmm. to the um uh I forget who it was that year. But either way, and then the next year they were like mediocre the whole season before Mike got there. And then when Mike got there, he actually like juiced them a few playoffs Juice! up in the last like 15 games which is pretty cool pretty much so ready for this and then like like john said they um they they played the they won their first playoff series but then they ran into the magic you know you had a young Shaq, you had penny hardaway horace grant who was on the bulls and had moved over to the magic so um but yeah once mike actually had a full off season to retrain and like had the full season going into the next year, 95. Um, he, he ended up re reestablishing his mantle as alpha male top dog. Yo, what's up? I'm the best. <laughs> and that was actually very, very intense um, to see that come to uh, light. So at the same time, uh, someone approached Michael to do a movie. Uh oh! What movie was it? Uh, something. Everybody, get up! It's time to slam now. We got a real jam going down. Welcome to the Space Jam. <laughs> and so that was crazy because he signed a deal with Warner Brothers for the commitment for that film with the Looney Looney Tunes and uh, <laughs> Warner, Wa- Brothers. <laughs> Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers. <laughs> In 3D land. <laughs> uh, so when he did that, he said, guys, I'm going to need a place to practice the whole time while this is going on. So Warner Brothers made this huge like gym for him to essentially literally like, film. Built a practice facility, facility yeah. for Mike to be a part of the movie. Yeah. So he would act all day and then for three hours, the last three hours of the day from like five to I think it was like not mm. not nine, but eight at night or something mm-hmm. like that. Something extreme. He was out there practicing and practicing. Oh, yeah. It was like practicing. after 10. Yeah. Yeah. And so he was like, at this point, he was just asking people to sneak in there, like other all-star players that he had played against formally. And he'd be like, why don't you come in here? Why don't you come in here? Mm-hmm. And that's where the, Michael realized he was Carl, good. Charles. Yeah. You know, Carl mm-hmm. Malone, Charles Barkley were in attendance. He had some of his Miller, Reggie, Reggie. You mm-hmm. had you had all the big names. Uh, were going to the Space Jam set to play after shooting. Yeah, uh, pickup games against Mike. And again, we talked about how those Olympic practices were so challenging. All those guys said it was like even more so during that time because there was no ref you're yeah, calling your own fouls, fouls and nobody wants to be a uh, bigoty uh, little girl <laughs> we'll say that word yeah so female dog yeah so they uh that was really where mike got his chops back because he needed to play against top level talent yes. to like because re- he he very much likes to beat his opponent and if his opponent's not very good it's not a challenge for him for him yeah. So he needed to like challenge himself to get back to being the best of the best of the best, yes. sir, with <laughs> honors. With honors. 
Um, but we're going to take a break real quick and then mm. we will come right back on. I'll tell you what. Cause I'm blinded by the light. Wrapped up like a douche. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to I'll Tell You What. Featuring The Last Dance. Brought to you by Rhesus. <laughs> Literally sold where business is done. <laughs> I said that last night. I was dying. Um, so we left off uh, talking about Space Jam. Guys, I just want to say that, you know, prior to this point, there was no social media. There was nothing like that. No, no. All you got was your nightly news. It was appointment television. Yeah. And what's crazy about Space Jam is that, and Kyle made this point to me, we didn't have like, he was already known a household name, but Michael was. Yeah, Yeah, Michael Michael was. And from the Dream Team, this like extended him even deeper. Everybody knew who Michael was because he was a great basketball player. Um, But. I think like what we were talking about with Space Jam is it literally brought who Michael was as a person and a basketball player to the silver screen in the form that children could understand. And he overcame overwhelming odds set to which in most people's mind was even more impressive than mm-hmm. his championships. Even though, yes, it was all make-believe and a film, you have to understand in the minds of children, he created – he doubled his fan base yes, he did. overnight because of that movie. And adults who don't get it, they're like, yeah, it was just a movie space jam. And it was no. crap. And I'm laughing. I'm like, y'all don't get it. You, you I can know. tell you, like, me and John talked to a ton of people. Everybody that watched Space Jam, like, it just turned them on to NBA basketball, Michael Jordan specifically, a little bit of the Looney Tunes. Because, mm-hmm. like, I never really was even a fan of the Looney, Looney Tunes, Tunes until Space Jam. Yeah, neither was I. So it's so, crazy. To yeah. Just, talk about that it was a cultural phenomenon in its own right Mm -hmm. and i think like like you said in the age where there was no social media that brought him in a in a way that would uh combine all uh attitudes there wasn't like negative negativity surrounding it like where there might even be in social media where it's like oh well i don't like this guy because (laughs) he likes bears or something stupid you're just like oh space jam was cool yeah michael (laughs) that was it that was the extent of it it was just positive all positive you know no negative no breaks yeah (laughs) all gas no breaks as you like to say over here (laughs) he had he had an army after that of loyal followers that Mm -hmm. he just gained and and guys so he rode that momentum into the 96 season 96 97 season which is my 95 96 yeah sorry because the the way that they Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're right. I was just saying the way they classify the seasons. Yes, that's right. Like they ninety five to ninety six. Right, whatever the year of the championship is. So like the ninety eight championship encompassed the fall of ninety seven into ninety eight. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, guys. That's my no, no, no. You're right, and that's my fault too for not clarifying that part. So 
Uh, we're coming back into that season. And this is my favorite season of all time, guys, because this is where he just like turned it on. So they just start winning and they get their championship. And then the next <laughs> season, yeah, they're like, ship, take the ship. <laughs> uh, so they meet the Orlando Magic again in the playoffs, schooled them, spanked them, put them over the knee, and they were like, <laughs> pretty much like, yeah they had no chance and that's Zero. when michael was like i'm back like officially and you remember who they played in the finals that year yeah go ahead lay it on me bro uh it rhymes with the seattle pooperponics <laughs> <laughs> yes so with the glove the gary glove. payton mm-hmm. yeah and so he was feeling really good really He's good like, put me on mj coach <laughs> And so, you know, Michael needing like something to latch onto to get some fire in him felt that he deserved that award that year, you know, uh, that Gary Payton won MVP, right? Or uh, it- you're actually thinking of the Carl Malone one, which is for MVP. Along. It was um, defensive player. That's what it D- was. DPOY, yeah. defensive player of the year. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so Michael was like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what I mean? Easy, easy, easy. And he said, like, granted, he was a challenge, but it's just, I guess the media hyped it a little bit harder than it needed to be hyped. And that is very well possible. You know, I'm not an offensive player in the NBA, (laughs) so I don't know what I I can't even really speak on this on the behalf of that. But that's just how it was portrayed, guys. Yeah. (laughs) Long story short, Jordan owned him in the end. Yes, and this was his first championship that he won from uh, without his father. Yes. And it was very emotional for him. Yes, yes. Yeah. After he won, uh, there's a famous clip of him uh, collapsing on the ground, literally face to the ground, just uh, weeping because all the emotion of coming back, winning another championship, leading the team – Missing his father, like honoring his father, just like all that kind of like washing over him. And I like, I don't know how he did that as far as like knowing all those people are there. And like, I'm just very like hyper aware of what's going on around me. And like, I get not self aware, but I just, I don't think I would be able to release that emotional waterfall with like the eyes of the nation on me. I, I I mean, like I'm very proud and I think it had to be done in that way for him to like be able to experience it, but it was just, you know, intense. Yeah. It's intense. You know? And so he, he got that W and it meant a lot to him. And so he continued that momentum into the 96, 97 season. This is actually my real favorite season guys. Sorry. I, I, I misled you. The reason why is because they set the record that was held for literally, literally, literally literally. years. And that was the 72 season where they went 72 games and only lost 10 games. 72 wins, 10 losses. And it was record for most wins in the NBA. It was phenomenal. Like that's when they were just like, who going to stop me? Mm -hmm. Who going to stop me? Huh? (laughs) Literally. And I, Cannot tell y'all like how heavy, like Jordan just had the hammer down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so they went out and they just blew every team out, including in the playoffs. It was easy for them. They go against the Jazz for the, that year's final. That year's yeah. final. Um, took them out, took assassinated them. them. They were like, 
<laughs> you're toasted. You're dead. You're dead. <laughs> they did me. <laughs> and so that leads us up to the 97-98 season. The last dance. Yes. So, so the documentary was named for the last episode, just like I knew it would be. Yes. <laughs> and, uh, you know, at this point, Michael's feeling really good. We already told you all the backstory leading up to this. So let's just jump to the playoff. Do you want to start there, Kyle? Yeah, yeah. So um, we kind of hop in actually in the conference finals uh, where they're actually tipping off against Reggie Miller and the Indianapolis Indiana Pacers, who play yeah. out of Indianapolis. <laughs> yeah. But uh, it's, it's very um, – Michael says that out of all the teams in the East that they faced in any of his years – He'd have to put it Detroit and the Pacers, Pacers that series, like back, you know, for, for the toughest teams that they face because um, that team was loaded. They They had had Chris Mullen, Mm -hmm. who is a hall of famer. Yep. Reggie Miller. Hall of famer. Hall of famer. Uh, They had Mark Jackson. Hall Hall of famer. Famer. Jalen Rose, not a Hall of Famer, Famer, but considered elite, very elite. Right. Among others, like who in that time were considered like very, very good players. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was a battle. I mean, it was a battle every game. Like, and they did not have home court during Mm -hmm. that series. So Indiana had home court. So they won game one. Yeah. By the way, so going into this, Reggie said to himself, he was like, I'm knock Jordan off the pedestal. He is not as good as <laughs> he thinks he is. And this is very important because this was the mentality. Like, remember, this is the last season. He's like, I, I want to dethrone the king. I want that honor to be on my chest, mm-hmm. you know? And that was actually pretty motivating if I were in Reggie's shoes. I could consider that something to motivate me. Yeah, it was. Yeah, dude, it was it was crazy because um, Reggie was kind of on the up and coming track where he had been kind of gaining the reputation of somebody who will get it done in crunch time, which is literally like Michael's title, you know. So. And to his credit, though, he did deliver in that series. He did hit a game winner. Yeah. Um, but it did leave 0.9 seconds on the clock. So <laughs> Michael actually did get a, a retort, an answer shot, and he literally barely yeah. rimmed it out. So, uh, but still shout out to Reggie for actually like getting to his spot, like making it, yeah. getting it done. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't fear the reaper as no. they say. <laughs> no, 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 no. So he was pretty close. It was Miller time. Yeah. <laughs> literally Miller time. <laughs> They all had red cups after it. Like, <laughs> with beer inside of it, y'all. Just so y'all. Woo, <laughs> we on the high life. <laughs> I so, like I really do enjoy like listening to because Reggie Miller is now like a commentator. Computer, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say he has He's, a very nice speaking voice. Yes. You're yeah, always like, All right, Reggie. Yeah. <laughs> he like tells you about the game, but he's still a fan, so he's like, Whoa. <laughs> this he's, like, is to- nuts. Yeah. yeah. He's like Tony Romo, but yeah. for basketball kind of. <laughs> so uh he always usually does give you a play by play, like look for a two for one option here. 
You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know what's going on on the bench over there, yeah. but there's like a lot of drama. Like, he's always that guy. Yeah. So it's definitely pretty intense. Yeah. <laughs> um, so long story short, MJ wins the series. Yeah. Six games. Um, six games. Uh, they move on again to Utah. Utah. Mm-hmm. And is this the season that the flu game happened? Yes. Yes. So that yeah. was the uh that was in Utah for I wanna say game five. It must have been game five. Something like that, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. So. The reason why we're talking about it, this was like one of the most influential moments of Jordan's history that he says. So, must have been game two, actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, it was game two. Everybody said game one. Everybody said that he, yes, Kyle. Everybody said that he had the flu. Actually, apparently it was just food poisoning is what Michael mm-hmm. said. So he ordered pizza one night. <clears throat> just like all of us. And he was like, apparently, you want to tell them this part? It's very comical. You got it. So, <laughs> he was like, hey. And like, apparently somebody like knew that it was Michael getting a pizza and they like messed with the pizza, y'all. It's kind of low. Like, I mean, what? that's kind of like not wearing a mask at, during this coronavirus pandemic. Right. Like, <laughs> coughing all over the food. Dude. Uh, yeah, it's kind of messed up, but... Michael said that he was the only person who ate the pizza, and so he was the only one who felt bad. It was um, kind of funny the way he described it. He was like, yeah, it was my pizza. I was the only one that ate the pizza. <laughs> <laughs> I want it. I take ownership for the pizza. Like, <laughs> He's like, all right, Mike. Um, we didn't need to know all that, but appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. So it was just crazy to see him play through all of that pain and – Rise above it. He got. They said he couldn't it. hold anything down yeah. all night or all day leading up to the game, mm-hmm. and he was like, "I'm just gonna try and trot out there to be a decoy because, like, I can't play. I, I'm, I haven't. I've literally emptied myself for a full day, like, not hydrated. They said he got an IV be, before yeah. the game. Um, he's literally just out there, kind of like all right. the motions, not even like himself, y'all. So that's impressive to me. And so at the end of this game, it was very comical to hear the coach for the Jazz. He was just like, MJ was sick. <laughs> Could have fooled me. Yeah. <laughs> Am I the only one that didn't know this? Yeah, literally. Well, I, I didn't know that. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> literally he just went off. And so next you see um, them as they proceed uh, through the series that Scotty, we're going into the last game. Scotty isn't feeling well. Um, yeah, he's got he's back, back issues. issues. Um, they thought they were going to end it in Chicago. Nope. Yoink. Going <laughs> back over to the Utah city of the Jazz uh-huh. and for that last game. And Scotty's having back ailments. He was the decoy in this game. So multiple times uh, during that game six, he's going to the locker room, coming back, back. out, like to the locker room to get treatment. Come back um, out, yeah. And it was just intense. Like you could just see that everybody wanted to win in that game, and they did. And so what was impressive was everybody just overcame the adversity and they got that W. And that was another three P. Yep. And it was so emotional for everyone. And remember that Jerry 
Proust was saying that nobody could come back, essentially. Like, Phil, mm-hmm. you're not coming back. And so Jerry Reinsdorf, the owner of the Bulls, went to Phil and said, I'll have you back. You know, and Phil said no. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, and I, I don't blame Phil, actually, in retrospect, for saying no. That would be rude to go over somebody like who you trust, your right hand, because you're the left hand, technically, you know? Uh, yeah, you mean going over Jerry Krause. Yeah, over Jerry Krause. Because he did build the team. Yeah. And that's not – and I respect Phil for that comment, literally. And Jerry is no longer with us, guys, to update you, Mr. Krause. He's passed on. Um, but that was actually a big, big kudo to him for that. Like, mm-hmm. I respect Phil even more for that. And there's no guarantee. Like, to me, I don't think that, regardless of what Michael said, which Michael did say, he would have, at the very end of the documentary, he said he would have been down to have one more go with it. And he, mm-hmm. Michael thinks that he could have brought everybody back. However, I do disagree. I do too. Because I don't think Scotty would have come back. No, he no matter the money. what. He needed the money. Scotty was not going to come back. It doesn't matter. And and he had already shown it in the playoffs. And I'm not trying to like encroach on anybody's pain tolerance, but to me, Scotty's actions during that final season, whether it was sitting out the beginning, the back thing, whatever, you could just tell. He didn't want to be in Michael's shadow anymore. And whatever he had to do, whether it was sitting out games, whether it was, you know, maybe over embellishing an injury to make it like harder on Mike. I really do think, and this is my personal opinion in that game, I think he wanted them to lose the game six so that Scotty could come back in game seven and prove that they can't win without Scotty. But when Mike started carrying game six, Scotty was like, well, uh, I guess I guess I have to do yeah, it. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm looking kind of like a uh, a little girl, girl, yeah, <laughs> out here. And he had that time when Mike was sitting, uh, wasn't even playing or was playing. I'm sorry, and he refused to go in because he wasn't going to get the last shot. Yeah. So I just what does that say about you as an individual? I just Selfish. feel like Scotty would not have come back for a seventh season. He was at the end of his rope, and um, it would have just been a, a fiasco. Mm. And granted, maybe he doesn't come back. Mike comes back because Scotty goes so far out of left field. Who knows what could have happened at that point. Yeah. But Scotty was a very huge part of that team. And I don't think you could just replace him with anybody and get anything close to that level of productivity that you had. You couldn't. And, you know, that's, that's what, 12 years of teammates? Yep. Yeah, you just can't replace that. No. Because you know that person, like, they're close. They're literally family. You know, you're, like, going to have, like, Thanksgiving together. And D-Rod was coming off the rails. Mm -hmm. Everybody was just (laughs) exploding out. There was no way to recoup it. And that's why I'm saying, like, The documentary really gave you the full story where it was just, like. And, like, what's crazy. get them back would have been. Probably. A nightmare. There was just, no way they would have. They didn't have the money season. logistically to do that. And what's crazy too, guys, is like right after that season, Steve Kerr went to play for the Spurs. He got a four P. Like they won the next year. Ninety nine, yeah, yeah. So that's that should tell you something right there. Yeah, about all these people and what their skill is and how good they are. It's just nuts to me, you know, just to see how everything played out. Uh, but in the closing moment of. 
right before they show what happened to the players and everything as they were released or whatnot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Phil had a closing moment with everybody on the team and he said, I want you guys to write down how you felt about this season and we're just going to release it in a burning <laughs> ashes. And so they're going to, th- they're going to write it down, uh, announce it, speak it out loud to the group and then put it in a coffee can. And, and once everybody's it. done, yeah, they burn it. And, uh, which is coincidentally what I do every day. I write out what I felt about the day. I said out loud to Krista, then I burn it. <laughs> and we sing Kumbaya, my lord. Kumbaya. <laughs> but seriously, I mean, all jokes aside, that is kind of cool. Mm. It's kind of a cool way to go about it. And that's why I will always respect Phil for looking at the world in a different way and just rising to a different elevation on the Mount. Right. Ellen. Not, not being not, feared. Not Ellen, but like not living in fear of being ridiculed for your beliefs Mm -hmm. or how you approach things like he just laid it all out there like whatever i'm sure people i'm sure when he first started doing that kind of stuff like the zen stuff in the locker room or having them do this the you know the rock circle yeah you know our favorite player did our second favorite player didn't like it when he first got there yeah he said it publicly he was like dude we were going around shooting without the ball in our hand (laughs) (laughs) like i remember that interview specifically and then like he just bit into it finally and he was like, okay, I get it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it, I don't think any of that stuff was really for Kobe or Mike or Shaq. It was for everybody else because they put everybody under <laughs> such tremendous pressure that they needed to like Perfect. zen out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So that's all we got, guys, on the last dance. The epic uh, conclusion. Um, Actually, I don't know if this might be our season finale for a little while. Um, who, knows? who knows? Stay tuned. But uh, this is I'll Tell You What. Signing off. It's been two weeks to look at me. Wow. Everything is crazy and I don't know. <laughs> And Welcome this is the intro to our conclusion of I'll Tell You What Season 2.com. <laughs> um, guys, so we had a little discussion and we're going to come back for season three. Don't worry about that. But stay tuned. Right now, I think it's a good time for us to just like meditate, meditate. Meditate. Take a little break. Um, in the meantime, since sports are on hiatus, but we want to bring you like up to date current things as they happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're just going to chill for a minute. Um, yeah. We're just going to, you know, season two has come to a close. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'll, Tell you what, sports is always going to be there to deliver up to date standard. Now, woo! Every Breaking. day, <laughs> every day, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you can count on us for that. Uh, in addition, we will obviously do what we do uh, regardless. We don't mm-hmm. have to try. We will be monitoring the all frequencies of sports talk of sports information Mm -hmm. and we will 
definitely, definitely bring you what I like to call exhibition episodes. Mm -hmm. So it may not be a part of a necessary season, but we will alert you to some updates, what needs to be alerted. And we'll give you the necessary opinion that you should heed. Yes. Because we're not BSing over here. (laughs) Not bachelor degree, bachelor of science Science degrees (laughs) over here. Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Kyle, I'd like to say uh, it's it's been a good season. Uh, I had fun talking about The Last Dance. I had a lot of fun talking about college football this year. I'm looking forward to talking about more college football next year. Absolutely. Oregon coming out on top. Thank you for keeping me up to date and on my toes about Tua and just hearing all that good news about Alabama, Saban <laughs> syndrome. Yeah, so, dude. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Well, uh, yeah, likewise, um, I always appreciate your insights. Um, I believe you bring like one of the most unique perspectives to our sports, not to get weird, but I'm just saying like, I believe you come from a different place of mindset where you can kind of see through some of the BS sometimes, uh, which is always refreshing. So I want to make sure we can continue to bring that to our oh, we audience. Will. <laughs> we will. Thank you. <laughs> Shout out Globo Jim Purple Cobras. Right. <laughs> uh, but yeah, guys, uh, we will catch you guys soon on I'll Tell You What.